Hi, everybody. Welcome to Women in Retail Talks, the podcast where C-suite executive women in the retail space share their stories of professional growth, leadership development, personal journeys, and so much more. I'm Melissa Campanelli, the co-founder of the Women in Retail Leadership Circle, which is a membership-based community of executive women at leading retailers and brands. Joining me today is Francesca Toninato, the global CEO of Seven for All Mankind, which is a premium denim brand. We're so excited to talk to Francesca today about how she led her company through a transitional period, how to create and sustain a loyal brand following, and how she motivates her team and so much more. We're thrilled to have you today on the on the podcast. Thanks so much for joining us, Francesca. Good morning, Melissa. Good morning, everybody. It's a true pleasure and honor for me to, to join this amazing group. And uh, I'm looking forward to sort of share my experience so far, if that can be helpful to, to any of you. Great, great, great. So when you became the global CEO for Seven for All Mankind in 2020, you were tasked with shaping the company's new path after its acquisition by Delta Galil Industries. Leading a company through a a change like this can be very difficult, I'm sure. So how are you able to lead your team through this transformation? And maybe you can offer some tips to our listeners who might want to know how to do this or might be going through this right now. Yes, of course. Indeed, it was a pretty challenging task. Honestly, not just from a professional standpoint, but because this happened in the middle of the pandemic. So during an unprecedented time, you know, for for the whole humanity. So the professional challenge was layered with, you know, a logistic challenge, you know, a um, physical challenge and the the fact that, you know, I didn't have time to spend time uh, with the team on the floor, to meet customer in person, to visit the store and et cetera. So um, it was particularly challenging from my point of view. Uh, But even in that situation, if I need to sort of take off the external factor and, you know, think about what I did and, you know, what I would recommend doing when you need to leave a transformation, I feel that the thing that you have to do, doesn't matter whether you do them remotely or not, are pretty much the same. In the sense that leading a brand through a transformation, for me, uh, first first of all, uh, require uh, for you to be humble. Maybe humble is a big word, but, you know, to be a listener and, you know, study and try to truly understand uh, the root and the brand DNA of the brand you are you are given. Um, when I was given this assignment, I really feel privileged because you are somehow delivered uh, from a shareholder, a brand that, you know, you need to treat like a special treasure and you need to treat it carefully and try to understand what the brand is about. So the first thing that I tried to do was studying, going back to, you know, the old brand book, understanding the story of the brand, understanding deeply what made the brand successful, understanding how the brand has developed the relationship with the with the consumer, because I don't feel that any executive should try to change the brand DNA. The brand is itself a sort of persona and it, it, it has its personality and you need to understand and nurture. It might be that a brand like ours that was founded in uh, year 2000 and so back in 2020 was 20 year old or young, depending on, on how you see that. It might be that, you know, 
throughout the year, a brand um, might lose its appeal to the consumer or, you know, it might become a little bit dusty or, you know, uh, not so relevant. But, you know, to determine the course of the brand is not about redefining what the brand is about, but is about understanding what are the value, what a brand stands for, and adjust the values to make it more relevant to a consumer that has clearly evolved since year 2000. So the consumer has evolved. You need to make sure that the way the brand interprets the value is still relevant for the today consumer. So to, to give you an example, uh, studying our brand, we basically try to distill and you know get to the essence and you know the strong promise that the seven pro mankind did to the consumer when it was founded uh, back in year 2000 was uh, founded on what we call internal internally the tree f so the fit the fabric and the finishing so seven pro mankind was a brand that originated the premium denim category delivering to the market a product that has a superior fit uh, back in the day when you were trying our boot cut, they were looking great of you. They, you know, you could wear them with sneakers and heels. They were making you feel great. And I have a background in the denim industry. I, and I remember that, you know, working for a competitor, I was studying, you know, the brand and how come the brand was so successful with the consumer. And truly, one of the core pillar of Seven for Mankind is that it was delivering and is still delivering product with a superior fit. The second pillar was the fabric. So being a premium denim, we keep on delivering to the market jeans that have a uh, premium fabrication. We started with Italian meals. We work with Japanese uh, uh, meals to sort of deliver to the customer a high quality pro uh, product. And then the third pillar was the finishing. The finishing, you know, that the jeans are treated, you know, you wash them uh, in different casts. And what makes Seven special is that when you touch our denim, we say internally that he has a soft and luxurious hand feel. So when you wear it, it's really comfy. It's really, while in some brands, you know, denim associated to be, you know, a little bit scratchy, not necessarily the most comfortable garment, you know, a woman can wear, you know, the seven jeans have this superior edge. So we were going through that. We were going through the brand DNA, through the value, and we said, okay, let's make sure that we define our strategy uh, around the word premium because we were the originator of the premium denim strategy. So anything that we do from product distribution, marketing and communication need to be premium. And from a product perspective, we constantly deliver along the three F pillar, if you may say, you know, and then we went even, even deeper in trying to understand, you know, what's the mission and what's the purpose of the brand? Because uh, right now the consumer um, as a bold and, you know, they, and correctly so, they expect from uh, a brand and a company, uh, not just to throw out some, you know, product at a price, but embody values, have a certain ethic and et cetera. And we sort of trying to, to go deep to, to our DNA, understanding that what the brand has been doing in the past year was delivering a product that helped the consumer to look great, feel more self-confident and comfortable in what they, they are wearing. And when you feel 
great in what you're wearing and you are comfortable, this is somehow enhance your self-confidence and put you in a mental and psychological position of achieving better, faster, and with more conviction what you're trying to achieve in life. And this was very important because um, I feel that after the pandemic, all of us, and you know, even before the pandemic, but probably the pandemic somehow put to all of us uh, uh, some important question and you know, challenge us on you know, what's our meaning? Well, what are we trying to achieve uh, in our life? Where are we devoting our passion, our you know, uh, capabilities? And and I feel that this step of Re redefine. I mean, redefining was is not a, a real, you know, word, but you know, trying to be crystal clear on what the brand is about was very important because it allows me uh, to somehow cater around this definition a group of people that believe in a project that we're trying to realize together. Because I also feel that you know, it doesn't matter whether you are a, a smart person, a great CEO, and etc. One person alone cannot change organization. So. After redefining the brand DNA and the exercise, it wasn't done by me only. It was done by, you know, the people who has been with the company and it has been done understanding and talking and listening to, to the consumer. So when you sort of realign everybody along your core, you can truly drive the transformation. Because if people are crystal clear on what we're trying to achieve together, uh, they are not coming to you as the CEO to take decision. I always tell my team, of course, I take the responsibility on the final decision because that, that's my role. But, you know, you should be in a position of already knowing what's the, the decision and what we have to do as a, as a company. Clearly, of course, uh, this has been a challenge because uh, we have to work remotely and, you know, for a certain period of time, you know, at that time, uh, I wasn't allowed to come to the States because uh, Seven from Mankind and fashion is not considered to be a strategic industry. You know, I remember they were asking me, but can it be considered as... Uh, um infrastructure business and i said mm, yes we do have a warehouse but you know calling our business an infrastructure business it's a little bit of a stress so clearly it took a lot of uh, personal commitment because i truly believe in in personal interaction and people do feel when you spend time with them work hand in hand and you know shoulder to shoulder they do see whether whether you are committed and as a leader that that's important but you know it took more commitment energy and even you know organization and personal sacrifice because i do have a family and you know i feel that uh, we all have our beloved person and during the pandemic we all have to juggle to try to sort of uh, uh, manage our professional life and our personal life but you know uh, as I always say, there are things that you can control and things that you cannot control. So, you know, you, you try to do your best within this context. Yeah. Wow. That, that's great. Yeah. I mean, my takeaway from that is that, you know, it's really just about having a, a very solid uh, perspective and plan and then presenting it and then having a team that understands that and sort of follows along. So that's awesome. And de develop that with the, with the team, because if they feel that it's your plan, Yes, it might be great and, you know, you might be very good at selling to them. But if they don't feel that it's their own 
plan and if they don't feel that that's what we are trying to achieve together you have a completely different level of commitment so that's very important to have them involved into into defining that that's great that's great that's a great tip right there for sure um great well i'm just going to jump ahead to some of the other questions that we had discussed um one of them is digital transformation we just talked about transformation in general and sort of you know, the, the merger and then the product, but, you know, there's also a big part of your company that is going through a transformation around digital. Mm-hmm. So, um, and that's a big topic right now for our listeners and our members and our, and our readers. So um, can you talk a little bit about how the company changed digitally and, you know, as opposed to kind of walking us through that transformation, maybe you can just walk us through some of the things that are, that you're doing now that are digitally focused, sort of the mm-hmm. exa- some examples. Absolutely. So, um, as said, uh, when uh, I took the leadership of this brand, we were in the middle of the pandemic or, you know, just after the pandemic. And I feel that the digital transformation, uh, you know, let's call it trend, started way before the pandemic. As as we all know, uh, you know, the pandemic was a sort of act as an accelerator of a trend that was already going on. And, you know, we probably cover in a couple of years, you know, uh, what was happening in the in the past ten years? So it was a sort of a forcing um, external element that uh, obliges us to understand, you know, whether we were equipped to to sort of uh, face digital transformation. I have to say though that I've been particularly lucky because uh, from a digital perspective, the company and the organization was already in a relatively good spot. So for instance, just to make you a banal example, but the penetration of our e-com as opposed to uh, our segment and our industry was above uh, uh, the average. So we were already in a fairly, fairly decent, decent spot. But clearly during the pandemic, we have to develop some tools uh, that help us to work digitally, work remotely, develop product uh, digitally. And, you know, can you imagine for a category like ours, and of course we are a lifestyle company, but, you know, a big part of our business is denim. And denim leaves about, I told you, the soft and luxurious handfield, the washes and et cetera. And clearly our product development people were used to touch and feel the product. And, you know, it's very difficult to, you know, uh, get the proto in front of the camera and, you know, we have to organize, you know, different services. So uh, the uh, we had to develop tools that allow them to sort of work also in distance, but also to sell uh, to our wholesaler first and then to our final consumer, the product remotely. So uh, typically when we do market, we have the wholesaler come into the showroom we have the model, we have them touching and seeing the product, we have them, you know, even looking the the color cast, you know, depending on the light, uh, you know, the product might look something different. And, uh, and clearly, you know, it's very difficult to sell on pictures rather than selling, you know, a, a physical product. The good thing about that is that uh, we developed those tools and we are still retaining those tools. Uh, we have to be smart with our um, stores and, you know, organizing, you know, leveraging, you know, all the different platforms to do uh, chat with the consumer, to do styling session remotely via, you know, the normal platform uh, or organizing appointments or, you know, so um, 
we had to to leverage the technology but that was probably a sort of the more obvious uh, uh, element of leveraging technology right now i feel that on the table of every ceo and every company doesn't matter the the industry and the segment there is this big talk around the uh, generative artificial intelligence and clearly as any other company uh, also at group level we are asking ourselves you know where this tool uh, can help us and again um i feel that the right attitude toward technology is not telling ourselves oh i'm against or i'm in favor technology i leave technology and i feel that our company leave technology like an opportunity and you need to understand whether this opportunity fit with you your brand your business model and your consumer uh, I'm not scared, you know, because around the generative uh, artificial intelligence, there is a big discussion regarding, you know, content creator or, you know, designers or photographer or, you know, yes, our people are going to uh, lose their job and etc. I truly don't believe that technology is uh, bad by itself and it's a threat. You need to understand what are the what is the potential of the technology and how this can help you to do your job better, address the consumer needs better. I do feel that in our industry that leads around creativity. And, you know, I'm a manager, I'm a CEO, I'm not a designer, and I have a tremendous respect towards creative people because I'm always fascinated by, you know, the the level of creativity that they can put and you know the original collection that they come out with every season so i have tremendous respect so i don't feel and you know we are clearly exploring uh artificial intelligence but artificial intelligence to maybe try to uh, contact and personalize better and address the need of our consumer better and making them feel special and you know uh, not trying to have you know uh, mass uh, uh, email communication, but being very specific, trying to, you know, leverage the technology for the, the good thing about that, you know, also thinking about the photography, the, uh, I don't know, the translation or, you know, the legwork, you know, wh when you have your website, you have all the product description and there the, it's a lot of work on, you know, uh, both uh, making the description of the product and, you know, we, we work in many countries, you know, clearly in North America, uh, we just have English, but in Europe we have several languages and etc. So um, the we are exploring this tool, but you know, not necessarily to cut job, but to refocus our people in the high value activity and maybe cut you know what the technology uh, can do. So our approach to technology is you know really let's say rational. And on the other end, though, but that's more of my, on my personal experience, uh, opinion and experiences, you know, uh, jeans and, you know, denim is not an easy category to sell. And it will require always the personal touch. And, uh, you know, so I welcome technology for uh, what that can give to us to enhance the level of service, to enhance the personal touch, to help us to make the client feel more special. But I don't feel that in in our industry and techno you know technology should be levered to you know uh, standardize or you know make it everything you know the, the same way. So 
yeah. you need to sort of always have an open uh, on technology, on, you know, the new company coming up, on the startups and et cetera, and ask yourself whether this might fit you or whether you say, no, thank you. Yep, that's great. Yeah, I'm glad you brought up the AI and generative AI uh, topic because that is something that's very interesting to people. And I think most of our community agrees with you. It's not technology that you should be afraid of, but you should just find a way to use it so that, you know, some of the sort of uh, tasks that are less, you know, exciting maybe to focus on are, are used for that purpose as yeah. opposed to uh, the more, you know, heavily strategic types of thinking to, to unleash people potential and let people yeah. be more focused on you know bringing creativity rather than substituting the the creative potential of human being yeah definitely um when i think of seven for all mankind i, I think of brand loyalists can you talk a little bit about how you've been able to kind of create and sustain with such a large community of loyalists like any best practices there yes um Definitely, we feel privileged because we've been able to somehow create, sustain and nurture the relationship with, you know, our loyalist consumer and also recruit new consumer throughout, as I said, you know, already 23 years. And, you know, I truly feel privileged. I feel that to me, the real trick or the most important thing to sort of being able to maintain this relationship and nurture this, this relationship is, first of all, stay true to the brand and do not betray the consumer. One of the reasons why, you know, I accept the job and, you know, whenever I, I'm asked to, okay, there's this brand, there's this opportunity, do you find it interesting or not? One of the, the things that I would encourage, you know, um, the community to consider is, has the brand ever betrayed the consumer? Because it might be that maybe you are offered a job to a brand that maybe, I don't know, is a little bit dusty, as I said before, or, you know, probably mess it up a little bit on marketing, on communication, on some aspect. But if the brand has not betrayed the consumer uh, from a product perspective and from a value perspective, you know, that's a great opportunity to unleash the brand potential. I'll make you an example. One of the things that may uh, seven successful is the value, the quality, and the premiumness of its product. If throughout the year, and there are some brands, you know, in in the business that we've seen, you know, you start being super premium, and then you say, oh, you know what? I want to be make a better margin. Consumer don't understand. I can use low quality fabric, or you know, oh yes, I can, you know, compromise on the façon, on the manufacturing, because you know what, the brand is hot, you know, we need to make more profit faster and et cetera. In this way, you are milking the brand and you get to a certain point that, you know, you are start betraying this relationship with the consumer and the consumer will go. One of the strengths of the brand I have the privilege to run now is the fact that Seven has never betrayed the consumer. The product, you know, the integrity of, you know, what we deliver has always been there. So to me, really, yes, uh, maybe you hear people telling, you know, you need to nurture the relationship, marketing, clientele, and those are all important things. But, you know, ultimately, you need to pay a lot of attention because you can be a great relationship manager, but if you don't deliver on your product, sooner or later you lose the consumer you won't uh survive in the long term 
clearly, of course, you know, understanding your consumer, where he or she shop, what's the language, what's the right tool, how you can sort of make them feel special, make them uh, experience the brand. That's super important. But, you know, sometimes brand, I have the feeling that in our industry are underestimating the uh, value of the product and the fact that you, you don't need to compromise there. Yep. Such good tips there as well. Um, a couple more questions as we're, we're going to wrap it up soon. But um, you've worked for so many different uh, great companies prior to this. Um, you've been a leader at so many different companies. Can you just um, offer some tips that you can share for, for some of our senior level executives who are listening, who might be looking to advance in their careers, maybe moving to the C-suite? Yes, of course, you know, um, and again, also this, I, I don't feel, and you probably hear, you know, from most of executive, there's not a one recipe that fit whole, but, you know, my experience has been that uh, what had helped me to, to drive my career is to be curious and open to opportunity. So sometimes I've experienced, especially, you know, I, uh, I'm super happy and, you know, to, to sort of coach uh, uh, colleagues and, you know, be mentor of, you know, people that have worked with me in the past and et cetera. And especially when we come to um, women colleagues, sometimes, you know, um, the issue is that we put some limit and boundaries to ourselves. And we're not necessarily open to jump into the opportunity. And sometimes we are telling ourselves, no, that, that's too much. I, I'm, I don't have the skill, you know, we are somehow uh, trying to diminish our value. And I feel that what helped me in my career is having a, an approach of saying, you know what, I know what I can do. I know what I can bring on the table, but I'm also aware about my limitation. And the fact that I'm aware of my limitation is not pre preventing me to jump into an opportunity. I'll just need to make sure that I surround myself with people that can help me, that are complementary to me, you know, on the organization. And, and so I somehow follow my gut feeling and, you know, my passion rather than uh, probably being too rationally managing the career. I can make you an example. When I started my career, I was I started as a consultant at McKinsey and I've been there for several several years. So I was getting to a point where I was relatively senior and I was close to partnership. And back in the days, um, the, the company would start thinking about diverse leadership and, you know, trying to, you know, especially, uh, you know, I was working in Italy and back in the day, you know, most of the leadership was uh, um, mainly a uh, man with a very specific style and etc so you know uh sometimes you were thinking okay but can i go and progress with my own style and but sometimes it was more my uh, my mental limitation i feel that if you stick to your style and you know you you try to make your your way through but you know i wanted to talk to you about mckinsey because i was very close to the partnership and i received an offer from diesel and uh, it was a brand that I've always admired in the past for, you know, the creativity, the braveness and et cetera. And I said, you know what? Um, I'm not an industry expert, you know, but my gut is telling me that I should give it a try. And everybody was telling me, oh, you are crazy. You know, 
you are very close to the partnership, you know, you are managing a successful career here. Why do you have to go? And I felt that following your instincts sometimes and being less rational in understanding, oh, that's, you know, the salary or the position or the title, you know, sometimes it's, uh, sometimes works, but sometimes doesn't really uh, lead you what you want because maybe yes maybe you can have a better position that ultimately is not about your role and your salary is about enjoying what you're doing and being passionate about what you're doing so uh, my two piece of advice would be don't be uh, close to opportunity try to be open and jump into something that you know maybe it's unexpected but can work for you and the other thing is you know follow your instinct, don't necessarily be too rational. And I'm not saying you should make full foolish decision, but you know, sometimes you add that voice and your belly tells you that could be great and give it a chance to yourself because maybe that may lead in a career that is unexpected, but you know, may open you a lot of different doors. Yes, I love it. Follow your instinct. Um, so in closing, I just wanted to know what you are most looking forward to um, personally and professionally as we round out the year and look to 2024. Um, 2024 is coming rapidly. So I just would love to see what your what your plans are, you're thinking either for yourself or for the company. As I said, you know, going back to the, the prior question, I've always managed my career being open to challenges and opportunity. But, you know, uh, any opportunity that make me wake up in the morning with, with a smile, with the, you know, willingness to reach the team and go to the office and meeting the client. And, you know, um, because we all have uh, personal life commitment, busy lives and etc. And I, I really don't think that it makes sense to waste our time, capabilities and passion to do something that doesn't excite you. So what I'm uh, wishing for myself, but, you know, what I wish to to everybody is to uh, really have the right professional challenge that allow you to sort of tell yourself that is it's worth your commitment and your, you know, dedication and your personal sacrifices. If uh, this equation is not in balance, you should sort of uh, move ahead and, you know, move ahead quickly and give yourself a chance. I feel that we need to all give ourselves the the opportunity of uh, find our meaning, meaning and, you know, be, be happy in life. I, you know, in my experience, you know, sort of when I'm offered with job um, opportunities, um, I value much more the possibility to make impact and to work in an environment where I can surround myself with people with a sense of purpose and the same value and uh, uh, the same authentic approach to what we're trying to to achieve together. So I don't know where my career is going to bring me. You know, you never know in life, but I, I always wish myself to 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 try to to have the opportunity of maintaining this, uh, you know, um, smile in the face in the morning and the enthusiasm of, you know, push forward the organization, the team, a brand, whatever we, we do in life. Sounds great. Well, I think that's about all we have time for, Francesca, but thank you so, so much for your time and for your great insight. And 
looking forward to seeing more from your brand and you as a leader going forward. So thank you so much for joining us. Thank you very much, Melissa. It was my pleasure and good luck to, to all of us. Thanks for listening. For more information on this podcast, please go to womeninretail.com slash podcasts for show notes. Women in Retail Talks is available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and Spotify. Make sure to subscribe on our podcast channel page as well. If you've enjoyed this episode, please take a few moments to rate and review our show. Lastly, if you're a female retail leader interested in joining our community at Women in Retail Leadership Circle, visit womeninretail.com slash apply. Thanks, and until next time, this has been Women in Retail Talks.